Good morning. I'm Andy Stoddard. I'm glad to be with you today as we continue studying uh, 2 Corinthians. I hope this has been a fruitful study for you as we've uh, un as we walk through it, either through these videos that you're watching now or if you're listening to us on podcast. I'm glad that you've taken just about 10 minutes each morning to um, kind of dig a little bit deeper into God's Word. So thanks for joining us today as we um, pick up with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, you may remember last week we stopped with chapter 7 verse 1 because it was part of the previous section with verse 6. Today we're going to start with um, chapter 7, verse 2. We're going to read through the rest of the chapter, which will be verse verse um, 16. And some really key verses today that I want you to really pay attention to. But I'm um, starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, to the end of the chapter. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us with the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also with the consolation with which he consoled about which he consoled about you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, that I may rejoice still more. For even though I made you sorry with my letter, I did not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly. Now I rejoiced, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. And you felt godly grief, that you were not harmed in any way by us. Now godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. That's the key verse I want to come back to. For we see that when if we see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself guiltless in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on the account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort. In addition to our own consolation, we rejoice still more with the joy of Titus, because his mind had been set at rest by all of you. For I had been somewhat boastful about you to him, and I was not disgraced. But just as in everything we said to you was true, so our boasting of Titus has been proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have completed, I have complete confidence in you. So we see here, remember last week we talked a little bit about how Paul's love for them was almost like a parent, how he corrected them, but he loved them. We see here he talked about letters he'd written. We have two of Paul's letters to Corinth. We know that he wrote more than just these two. He wrote several letters to Corinth. Um, this was this was a church that he deeply loved, and we see it in here how he talks about how much he loves them, how, how you know, I have such confidence in you. I've boasted of you. He's a, he's a proud father. And once again, so if you're a parent, think about how proud you are of your children's successes. And when your children achieve something, that's really the height of your joy as a parent. You really want your child's success more than you want your own. So Paul here is so proud that they have been faithful in these things. And so he's he's encouraging them in the same way a parent would encourage a child. But I want to talk to you about, um, we talked about in, in, in uh, verse 8, and following about this letter he wrote, correcting them. We see it. Paul was not afraid to correct Corinth. He was not afraid to call them out. He said, I wrote this letter, 
And I know, I, I don't regret that I read it. And he said, well, I regret it a little bit because it hurt you because, it, because it, it grieved you. But I don't really regret it because it produced in you repentance. And that's that's the verse, that's the verse I want to talk about. Um, verse, uh, verses uh, 9 and 10. Now I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you felt a godly grief that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. Y'all, that's so, 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 so big. I, I think we as Christians have to understand this concept right there. The difference between godly grief and worldly grief. Godly grief is conviction. Um, it's the grief we have over our sins. And it's the grief that calls us to repentance. That is a grief or conviction that comes from God. Worldly grief is the grief that comes from the devil. It comes from our flesh. It comes from sin. And the, diff the, the reason you can tell the difference is what does it produce? Godly grief produces repentance. And by that, I mean that. That's the conviction of sin where you know you shouldn't have done something. Or you know there's something God had called you to do, and you didn't do it. We, we've all been there. We've all been there when we know that there was something God had called us to do, and we did not do that thing. Or we knew there's uh, something we had done that was wrong, and we feel terrible about it. This is how we know if it's godly grief or worldly grief. What do you do with that grief? What do you do with that conviction? Do you say, you know, I blew it. I really messed up. I, I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, God called me to that thing and, and I didn't do it. And I feel terrible about that. I really feel awful about it. And I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to do better. I'm going to guard my heart against temptation. I'm going to guard my heart against sin. I'm going to make sure that I, that I don't do this again. Or, I'm going to do this from now on. Godly grief spurs you to action, to faithfulness. Worldly grief says this, yeah, you messed up and you're a failure. So why are you even going to try? Why even try? You failed. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to get it right. <clears throat> you're going to always mess up. So just quit. That's worldly grief that leads to death. That's the grief. That's the conviction. That's the sin that says, no, 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 don't, don't even try. Don't even try. There's this great quote by C.S. Lewis. The sin is not in falling down. The sin is in not getting back up. Godly grief calls us to get back up and be faithful, to ask forgiveness, to repent, to turn from our sin, and to follow God and to be faithful. That's godly, godly guilt, and frankly, that godly guilt is a gift from God because it calls us to be faithful in all things. Worldly guilt calls us to lay down and stop and quit and don't try, just stop. I'll tell you a story in my life about that as a pastor. When I was in the Delta serving, I had a a member in the nursing home who I was who was near death, and um, I knew I needed to go by and visit him. Now I, I'd had thankfully I'd had many other visits with this person. We were very close. It, it it was it was fine, but I knew she was near death, and I needed to go make one last visit. And um, I was in seminary as well. I was very busy, and I didn't get to it. I I just didn't. I didn't get to see this person, and they passed away. And I felt about as bad as I'd ever felt in my life. Not because this person wasn't a Christian. I knew that they were with the Lord. And not because I hadn't been a pastor. But I knew that in these moments before death, they didn't have a chance for their pastor to come hold their hand and pray with them. And I said, never again. Never again. As long as I'm pastoring, as long as I'm serving God's people, I'm not going to make that mistake. 
And I'm going to always put my people ahead of other responsibilities. And that really, for me, was a formative moment in my ministry. I felt such intense guilt about that, that I did not do what I was supposed to do, that it changed how I lived. And to this day, that's that that right there is one of the reasons, one of the things that has caused me to live out my life, to live out my ministry and the ministry that does, where I always try to put people ahead of other things. That shaped me and formed me. And I came from that godly guilt that I experienced when I had not done what I knew what God wanted me to do. And thankfully, that godly guilt hopefully has made me a better pastor, a better friend, a better father and mother, a better father, better parent. Um, it's, it's, it's formed me. It's formed me. It's shaped me. It's what godly guilt does. So this morning, this afternoon, wherever you're watching or listening to this, where do you feel conviction in your life? Where is in your life that God's Spirit has convicted you of sin? Convicted you of what you've done wrong? Or maybe convicted you of what you haven't done? And so here's the question. Will you allow that guilt you feel to spur you to action, to faithfulness, to repentance, to obedience? Or will you just lay there in it? If you lay there in it, if you quit, if you give up, if you feel like a failure, if you don't ask forgiveness, if you don't ask repentance, then that's worldly guilt that leads to death. But if we allow these mistakes, these sins, these failures to spur us to faithfulness, that's a gift, y'all. That's godly guilt. And that drives us closer to God and drives us closer to grace. There's a prayer I like to pray in the mornings. It says, oh God, you are a God of those who repent. So today, if you're experiencing godly guilt, let it drive you to faithfulness, drive you to obedience, drive you to forgiveness, drive you to repentance, drive you to be the person God's calling you to be today. So may we always look for the godly guilt and the chance to grow. And may we push aside and ignore the worldly guilt that leads to death. So today, let's be faithful to God no matter where we are. Thanks for watching or listening. I hope you have a great day today. And uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow as we continue to study God's Word. Thanks for being part of this.